you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Today, it is an honor to have all the way from California, IA. Somebody's got to live out there, and aren't you thankful to Jesus that it's not us? Amen. We are East Coast Christians right here. But uh, my friend Jedediah, uh, we met a couple of years ago. Long story, I could blow all this stuff about how awesome and great he is, but you know what? Christ in him is great. And today, I'm telling you, if you're here, you're, you're about, you just need to, when I sit you down and say, go, go ahead and put a seatbelt on so you don't want to fall out of your chair. I'm telling you, the word's coming. It's going to change your life. It's going to affect you. It's going to help you. It's going to stir you. It's going to charge you. I mean, it is a word for the Rock of Gainesville family. And, uh, and some of it's our fault. This week in our staff prayer time, we started praying and we said, Lord, Jedediah's a great preacher. He's probably got a hundred messages that just pinch him and one of them's going to come out. But we, won't, we don't want one of those messages he's preached somewhere else. We started proclaiming in our circle, Lord, we want a fresh word for us. And man, Jedediah, I'll tell you in a second, man, he, he had to write a whole message because God stirred him. He didn't even know what it was about until he got here and found out. We, we're, we were like, God, we want to hear from you. And he's coming today with a word. Jedediah is one of the executive directors of missions.me. It's the, it's the people that we are partnering with for uh, Peru 2019, one nation, one day. God's going to, can God save a nation in a day? We're believing that we're going to be a part of the greatest evangelistic outreach in the history of the Christian church right in Peru in 2019. But listen to me, everybody else, there's 10% of this house going, 90% of you are going to be right here and we got something to do in Gainesville. This is our Jerusalem. And as we look over that banner right over the tops of everybody's head, it says, can a city be reached in a week? Over there, it says, can a nation be saved in a day? That's Peru. That's Gainesville. That's Alachua County. That's Florida. That's our Jerusalem. Can a city be reached in a week? We're going to reach Gainesville with the love of God right here, summer 2019. So today, I am thrilled that you're here, and I, I, I want to encourage you, forget anybody else is around you, just act like this man flew all the way from California with a word for you. Just get selfish. Just, just you know, in a second, just turn to the person inside and say, I'm sorry, but he came for me today. And you just get yourself ready. Get your smart pad out, your, your dumb pad, whatever you ride on, and get ready because God's going to say something to us today. Put your hands together and big, a big rock welcome to our buddy, Jedediah Thurner. Hey, thank you. Hey, can we put our hands together for Jesus? Just while we're standing, come on, Rock of Gainesville. I know we've been worshiping, but if you got a reason to be thankful, come on, if you got a reason to be grateful, come on, go ahead and let out a shout of praise. Let's just set the atmosphere of expectation this morning. Come on, with everything that you got. Woo. It's going to be a good, why don't you hug two to three people, let them know how good you look. And uh, as you grab your seats... In fact, why don't you look at your neighbor, your favorite neighbor, look at your favorite neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, come on, you got to do what I say. I got the mic. Say, hey, neighbor, if it wasn't for you, I'd be the best looking person here. 
And that's when you say amen, you know, preaching it right now. It is, uh, what an intro. It is such an honor and a privilege uh, to be with you guys. Uh, and I, I consider, just so you guys know, I've, on, I, I've only been here once. Is that right? But you know your pastor. He tells me everything that's happening here, how your businesses are doing, how many babies you have, how many grandkids you have. You got a pastor who's intimately involved with the details of your life. Come on, somebody. So I feel like I've been here many, 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 many times. And for those of you who don't know me, I am the uh, adopted stepbrother or the long-lost weird cousin you didn't know you had. And, I, and I'm home. I'm back for the holidays. And um, we, <laughs> we consider you guys family. So I'm going to communicate today like I'm at home and like I'm with family. And uh, I'm so excited about what God's doing here. I just want you to know that for everyone that's been a part of what we've done, whether it was Honduras last summer, uh, whether it's sending or going to Peru One Nation one day, um, or whatever else you guys are doing when it comes to the millions of Bibles you've printed and the campaign that's happening here in your city, you need to know that there's a group of people on the West Coast that know what's happening here, that are celebrating, that are cheering you on, uh, that are so grateful. You're a part of a church of such eternal significance. You know, sometimes we judge uh, what's taking place by what the room looks like, which is a beautiful room, but at the end of the day, you're part of something so much bigger. You need to know that something so global, something so significant, on behalf of my wife, our team, the executive team at Missions.me, we're just so honored uh, to be a part of such a great legacy of faith that's been here 32 years. And we all wouldn't be in the room if it wasn't for some fearless leaders, some crazy leaders, um, some rebel rule-breaking leaders 32 years ago who said, we're going to Gainesville, God has an assignment for us. And so many of us uh, have encountered God, or our families have, or we've experienced prosperity or blessing on our lives because we've been a part of this house. And I'm so grateful and so thankful for your leaders. Could we honor your, your pastors this morning, <laughs> Pastor George and Suzanne? We love you. We thank you. Come on, can we honor your leaders? If you're thankful, <clears throat> thank you for your service. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for creating a space for families for all cultures, for all genders, for all generations. Thank you so much. And thank you, Suzanne, for making Pastor George look good. Without you, we'd all be in trouble. <laughs> and everyone said, <laughs> ah, I got the mic. What it, you know, there's, there's this rumor going on about um, Pastor George trying to play me in a round of golf. Constantly has excuses every time I come out. It's interesting, last time he faked a, you know, a hernia. <clears throat> this is a true story. Faked a hernia, I don't know what happened. Made it up. Tad was running stuff around to him, trying to, you know, can't see his hernia, can't play golf, whatever. I get it. <clears throat> you gotta hold on to the pride you got. And then this, <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble after this. I got a little extra minutes in this service, so I'm taking my liberty. And um, this trip, I was like, hey, are we getting golfing? And he actually had, he was supposed to, have, so supposed to have shoulder surgery. He's like, no, once again, surgery, you know, can't, another doctor's thing. And I'm like, interesting pattern. <clears throat> and so then, then he got miraculously healed. He called me up a couple weeks ago. He's like, I got healed. Come on, somebody. He's like, all the pain's gone. I go, are we golfing? He's like, well, we got this Peru lunch for all the missionaries. I know we got a four hour slot before the game tonight, but nations, Jedediah, what do you think? And I'm like, I get it. You don't want to play me in golf. So <laughs> I'm just 
so sorry. It's funny to me because uh, I, know, I know what he's going to be saying later. I'm going to get a lot of trouble. Um, but it's so excited to, uh, to be here and to be back with family and just love what God is doing. And uh, I just came back from Peru to give a little reference point. I do believe we got a now word uh, for this church. Uh, I was just there for 15 days. Uh, you need to know that you're a part of history. We just experienced uh, the largest united representation of the entire church of Peru for the history of the church of Peru last weekend. So we had unbelievably 3,000 pastors and leaders gathering, leaving, uh, leaving besides their logos, their labels, and their egos. And I'll tell you, these gentlemen that have been in the room, especially that front row of leaders, have not all been in the same room ever. Have not been all in the same room ever because of some things that have tried to divide the church. We had over 3,000 spiritual leaders and pastors in Lima. And then we went to Arequipa. For those of you who are going to Peru, praying for Peru, you need to know Peru is one nation, but it's really three nations in one. Three completely different cultures, three completely different demographics, three, can different, three completely different spiritual climates. So you have Lima, which is the city, the capital, but that's 10 million people alone. I mean, 10 million people just in Lima. And then you go to Arequipa, which is the mountainous regions. And then you go to Iquitos, which is the jungles, the Amazon, unreached people groups, people that have never heard the name Jesus before, uh, average life expectancy, 40 years age on the Amazon jungle rivers, mass poverty, mass oppression. So we went to all of these zones, uniting the pastors and the spiritual leaders of the nation. Uh, John Bevere is a close friend. The Messenger International has already committed 50,000 books for leaders. $170,000 has been already funded and committed just to resource the spiritual leaders of a nation. I didn't share this in first service. One Hope, which is an incredible organization, they've, they've offered to us about nine different resources where they said we're going to print 150 to 250,000 of each resource. So over, over a million books, come on somebody, you're actually going to go to the church to the leaders of the church, because we believe you need to know that the vehicle that God's ordained to produce the salvation and transformation of not just families or cities, but of entire nations is his church. Amen? The vehicle that God's ordained, his plan, his divine design on the planet to bring sustaining transformation is not a political party. It's not a humanitarian initiative. It's not just some secular NGO. It's not a concert. It's not even just a one-week missions trip. The vehicle that God has ordained, come on somebody, to produce the salvation and transformation of the entire nation is his church, which means the limits on that vehicle is its leaders. So as we journey in Peru, it's not just moving the church to a specific position or repositioning the church to God's design. It's actually repositioning the leaders to God's original design so that they don't limit the vehicle that God's ordained to produce transformation. And what I can tell you, what's happening in Peru and what's happening here, I really believe happening, that's why I don't have a message that I've just preached everywhere, is that we've just stepped into a, a divine moment in time. You need to know that. Like we've We've actually, I believe, we've stepped into the best decade. Write this down. Write this down. I mean, you don't have to, but I've said it like three times now. Just write it down. Say it all year long. Trust me. We've entered into the best decade of ministry history since the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the start of the early church. See where our faith's at. A few of you are excited. Wow, a few of you are excited. Cool. I'll say it one more time. Let's get our faith up. We've entered into the best decade of ministry history since the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Come on, somebody. And the start of the early church. We, we've entered into, into a divine moment. And there's something we got to understand about the timing of God. Because I know you might be saying, Jedediah, I've sat on this. 
I've sat in these chairs for 30 years. I've sat in these chairs for 20 years. I've invested into the platform you're standing on. I paid for this carpet. I, I mean, I, I have a reference point. I have experience. And it's, it's pretty audacious for a 36-year-old to stand up here and say, it's going to get better. It's going to be bigger. And like we've entered into a brand new moment. But you need to understand that when God says it's time, it doesn't matter what our reference point is. It doesn't matter what our experience is. It doesn't even matter what our expectation is. When God says it's time, it's it's time. How, how do I know this? We have references throughout scriptures, not even in the notes. I shared this first service and I really feel I'm going to share this part of it. How do, I, how do I know this? Well, I think of all the different moments in history where God's just said it's time. One of the greatest moments would have been the, the Israelites in Exodus. You guys are Bible readers. You're familiar with the passage of scripture. If you don't know this, the, the most successful church by a lot of our standards was the, most large, the largest church in, in history in the Bible was the Israelites, but they're in slavery. Can I just take a moment? We need to make sure we're measuring ourselves by the right metrics. So often as a body of Christ, we can measure ourselves based on what another church is doing, how many services they have, how many campuses they have. We can feel really good for how we sit compared to the other churches of Gainesville, but we have to measure ourselves based on the mandate that everyone's been given. And the mandate is to go in all the world and make disciples of nations. The mandate is not just to go or to grow, the mandate's to lead. Right? So the mandate is to lead. So you have the most successful church in, in Bible history, a million to two million people strong, but in slavery. So numbers don't always equal influence. And, and, and they, they weren't just in slavery. It's not just that God was about to deliver them. It's the context and what he was going to deliver them from. Because they weren't just four months in slavery. Or four years, Pastor George, in slavery. Or 40 years, Pastor Hector, in slavery. 400 years. 400 years of oppression? 400 years of bondage? 13 generations. Imagine, not just one, not just two. 13 generations of never being able to leave an inheritance. 13 generations of never being able to pass something on to your kids that actually belonged to you. Imagine no reference point for victory, no reference point for conquering, no reference point for leading, no reference point for winning, no reference point for prayers being answered, no reference point for the prophetic coming. To, can you understand? It's not just a bad year or a bad few years. This is hundreds of years. Well, if you were to point back to your father or your, your great-grandfather or your great-great-grandfather or your great-great-great-great-grandfather, what were they? A slave oppressed, in bondage, broken, hopeless, helpless. And when God shows up, what's so fascinating in Exodus 3, nothing changed in the Israelites. They didn't have a can of city be reached in a week banner. They didn't have a can of nation be saved in one day banner. They didn't have a Peru meeting happening after service. There was not a remnant of people who were gathering around saying, this is our year, this is our moment. Nothing changed. All that changed was God said it was time. Exodus 3, all that changed. He said, I've heard the cries of my people, now it's time. God simply just showed up and said, now is the moment, regardless of reference point, regardless of experience, regardless of expectation, regardless of what last year was or the last 10 years was or the last 30 years, there's this moment you've stepped into where he's simply saying it's time. Can I just let you know something, the rock of Gainesville, if you don't get where I'm going, it's time. 
no matter what your experience is, no matter how long you've sat in these chairs, no matter what miracles you haven't seen take place, you have a God that's simply saying to his church, to this church, to the body of Christ around the globe, it's time. Time for what? Everything that he's promised. Time for what? Everything you've been praying for. Time for what? Breakthrough. Time for what? Miracles. Time for what? Souls being saved. Time for what? Family members coming back to Jesus. Time for what? Eyes being opened. The deaf being healed. Come on, the lame. It's time. Well, Jedediah, I've been praying for so long, but God says it's time. But Jedediah, have you seen my bank account? Well, God says it's time. Well, Jedediah, do you know what happened last year? But God says it's time. I know what you've done, done. I know what you've gone through, and I know where you've been, but you have a God who's showing up today and simply saying it's time. And when God says it's time, come on, when God says it's time, it doesn't matter. When God says it's can you feel it? Out of all the generations that could be alive, he chose this moment in time to say it's it's time. And when, when God wants to solve a problem, he creates a person. When God wants to save a city or a nation, he creates a church. Do you know that when God looked at who needed to be on the starting team for the Rock of Gainesville, before he placed a star in the sky, before he ever breathed humanity into existence, at some point I'm going to get to the Bible in my notes. <laughs> I'm just thinking, what am I doing? Just feel so good about where God's taking you. Before God, ever, before God ever separated the water from the land, he saw this moment in time, and he knew who he was going to need to be on his team. Not just for Peru, but for Gainesville for the surrounding cities, for Florida. He, he saw this moment because you were God's idea, you were God's dream that he wanted to see manifest so he wrapped in a body so it could come to life. Yeah. Do you realize that? Every single one of you in this room are an answer to a problem. You provide a solution that only you can, everyone in this room is needed. That's what I love about your pastors. It's about the family. We need your kids. We need your aunties and uncles. We need grandparents. Come on, we need fathers and mothers right now and we need sons and daughters right now. We need all of it because everyone has a part to play and it's such a significant moment in the body of Christ to be a part of the body of Christ. When God wants to solve a problem, he creates a person. What I love about this moment is he looks at the Israelites in Exodus and he simply says, it's time. So good. It's just, it's time. Why? Because he said it's time. Why? It just seemed right to him. So I love about God's timing. God's timing is always now. And then he picks a person, which is so encouraging for us because most of us are better candidates than Moses. You might not know Mo- Moses's history or his legacy, but first of all, he was an orphan. He was given up by his mom so that he could live. He was raised as a foreigner in a land he wasn't from. He was an immigrant. He's an orphan. He's an immigrant. He was a murderer. How many of you have, just quick show of hands, you've murdered before, just one or two, just one or two, and he, this guy raised his hand and a few hands raised. In Gainesville, there's always a couple. Oh, yeah, I did it. That, that was me. No, 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 no doubt. I killed him. It's like... There's two hands raised, Pastor George. I don't know what to do. If you could see what I see. I know who they are now. Is there a next step involved? Like, call somebody. Fourth row. No, I'm just joking. I'm just, I'm just, but there were hands raised. If you, if you did, I don't know what to do with that. If you did, I'm scared. If you didn't, Tad, where are you? If you didn't, if you didn't raise your hand, you're already more qualified than Moses. He was a murderer. He was a runaway. 
He was an outlaw. Do you know that? He ran from Pharaoh. He was an outcast. The Bible says when we find him in Exodus 3, he's hiding. He's not pursuing destiny. He's not on 21 days of pray first. Like he ain't, he ain't got no series, sermon series going on. He's, got, he's hiding in the desert, tending animals, and to make things worse, insult to injury, he's working for his father-in-law. <laughs> Means he couldn't get himself a real job. I'm just joking if you work for your father-in-law. My father. I put you in an awkward spot. Father-in-law's on one side, your wife's on the other. You're like, you're like, no, I love it here. It's just the best. It's the best. My father-in-law's done well financially. He's like, do you want a job with me? I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't. This is Moses. He's not qualified. He's not capable oh, to make things worse. In case you forgot, he, 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 he's a, the Bible, he's, he's, he's a stutterer. How awful would that be? You mean you just had to deal with one minute of it? Imagine that's who you were. See, but when God says it's time, it's time. And when God says it's you, it's you. It does not matter what you did last week. It does not matter what happened last month. It does not matter how many of your prayers have been answered. It does not matter if you're living a life full of the miraculous. It does not matter if your life is the epitome of breakthrough, of overcoming, of more than enough. It does not matter because when God says it's time, it's time. And when God says it's you, it's you. It doesn't matter if you've killed somebody, if you've lost your way, if you're working at a job you don't want to be working for, if you don't even have the skill set, the cognitive process, or the communicative ability to actually relay truth. When God says it's you, it's you. And can I let you know something? Go on notice. God says it's you, Rock of Gainesville, and there's nothing you can do about it. Who am I talking to this morning? He says it's you. And I love the journey. I don't even have time to get into it, but if you ever read the story, God shows up to Moses. Moses says no. The whole conversation. Why'd you choose me? God says because of me. You know, Moses is like, why me? And God says, nothing to do with you. Everything to do with me. Well, what am I going to say? And nothing to do with what you're going to say, I'm going to tell you. What if they don't believe? Look at God says, I'll show up. Uh, well, I stutter. Who cares? I still want you to go. You know, the, Moses never said yes to him. He leaves the dialogue saying no. The most powerful passage of scripture is a few verses later where it says, and Moses packed up his family on a donkey and headed to promise. God's not looking for you to say how. He's just looking for you to say yes. He does not need a mom, a dad, a parent, a, a sibling. He does not need a believer or a Christian that says how. He just needs Christians in a church that will simply say yes. When God says it's time, it's time. And when God says it's you, it's you. That's the moment we're in. With that, now let's actually get to the Bible. Are you okay with that? Primary text today. That was all for fun and for free primary text today, now we're going to work, is John chapter 2. John chapter 2. From that thought, I want us to lead us into this passage of Scripture, such a significant passage of Scripture, John chapter 2. First one, anyone got their Bibles today? Yeah, yeah anyone ready for the word? Yeah. Don't go quiet on me. Yeah. A quiet church is a dead church. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I'm looking at a live church. We're going to be worshiping in heaven. Come on. You can say, preach it, white boy. I like your skinny jeans. You can say an Amen. John chapter 2, going to move quickly through this. Really believe this is a word for you now. Verse 1, going to be reading from the Never Incorrect Version. 
It says, on the third day, a wedding, also known as NIV, says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Canaan in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now, Jesus responds in a form and a fashion that no man should ever respond to his spouse, to his child, to his mother. Only Jesus can get away with this, okay? And all the women said? Yes. Amen. Jesus' mother said they have no more wine. Jesus looks at him and says, woman, you know he held it. You know he didn't just go, woman. He went, woman. <laughs> at least the Jesus I follow. He was like, woman, let me tell you. Why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. Look to your neighbor and say, his hour hasn't come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I love Mary. She's gangster, right? He's like, you might be God, but you're still my son. <clears throat> That don't change anything. She, Jesus is like, woman. She's like, Jesus. She got, <laughs> Sorry, too much fun. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. What? He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone who brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, a.k.a. they're inebriated, but you've saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and the disciples believed in him. If you're taking notes today, and I encourage you to do, it's biblically founded. You're more likely to get into heaven if you do take notes. It's in the Old Testament somewhere. I'm just making it up if you're a visitor. <laughs> the title of this message, I encourage you to write this down. It's two words. Now, faith. Now, faith. Touch two to three neighbors quickly and just say, now, faith. Now, faith. Now, faith. I know we're halfway through a message, but can I just pray one more time? Just right where we're at. Father God, I just thank you that you're here that you're in the room. You're not standing off at a distance. You're not watching from afar because the Bible says when we worship you, you inhabit our praises, which means the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the undefeated reigning champion of humanity, the infinite one who time cannot contain is in the building. And when you show up, everything changes. When you show up, sicknesses are healed. Diseases are healed. Peace comes to home. Peace comes to relationships. Peace comes to marriages. God, when you show up, you begin to reconcile and restore all that has been lost. So we give you permission, Father, to do what you want to do. Begin to heal. Begin to restore. Begin to make everything in here that's dead back to life. Bring it back to life in Christ. Jesus. And as always, God, I pray that I would not be a man that stands on a platform and becomes famous, but I would be the man that becomes the platform that you stand on and are made famous this morning. When we leave here, maybe only talk about one name and one name alone, and that is Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that this is the moment for this house. And all God's people said, Amen. all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So significant that we understand what's happening in this primary text that we open with John chapter 2. Many of you have probably read this story before or heard this story before. Show of hands. 
want to real question, real Christians, yeah, you've, you've heard it, maybe you've got a message, but if we were to be honest, and I'm a pastor's kid, lived in over 100 homes before I was 25, real missionary's kid, this means I got problems, my wife's been working with me, helping me out, but I grew up in ministry, and I've just heard this story so many times, in fact, the, the paraphrase kind of says what we expect this passage to be, right next to John chapter 2, there's the paraphrase, and it says, Jesus turns water into wine, and we kind of, like, move on, we get it, there was water, people were drinking, now there's more wine, best wine, which is crazy. Jesus, let's move on to the bigger miracles, right? Let's, let's get some lame men walking. Let's spit on some dirt, make some miracle mud. Let's open some eyes. Come on, let's multiply the loaves and the fish. And fish. Every Gainesville, you know, individual loves the multiplying of the food. Come on, you're like, this is my moment. If we're going to be in any service, it's the multiplying of food service, right? Do I got an amen this morning? This is just one of these passages of scripture we just kind of move on through. But what's so significant is, is one, when Jesus sh shows up, he's showing up in a brand new paradigm. Why is that significant to this moment? Because you've entered into a moment as a church you really don't have a reference point for. And when Jesus showed up, they did not have a reference point for the creator confining, self, confining himself to his own creation. They did not have a reference point for the word becoming flesh and living and breathing and dwelling among them. And all of a sudden, God was about to institute through his son a new way of doing life, a completely different mindset, which is why Jesus' first message, which he preached everywhere, was repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which so many of us go, he's saying, ask forgiveness for sins. But if you actually study what the word repent is, the first thought of that word is this, change the way you think. Because you're entering, he, he actually showed up and he's not just saying, ask forgiveness. What he's saying is think differently. Because I'm about to do something in and through creation you've never seen before. Can I just tell you something, the rock of Gainesville, guess what, repent. Change your mindset. Think differently because God's about to do something in and through you've never seen before. And, and it's his first miracle, which is so significant because in, in, in the theological arenas, there's this understanding called the law of first mention. And the law of first mention means if you want to understand the, the, the way God intended or designed something to be, you study the first time it was introduced in Scripture. The law of first mention says the first time it's mentioned in Scripture, it carries its it's really its clearest form in God's original design for the thing that's being introduced into Scripture. Are you following with me? To give you a quick example of this, you, you don't study the identity of humanity in the New Testament because that's not where it was first mentioned. To understand your identity, to understand your authority, you have to go back to where God originally designed us and how he initially created us, and that will clearly lay out the blueprint and map for what God called you to be. Let, let, let me give you some examples. Can I go a little farther just to lay the significance of the point? When you look at God creating us, for example, it's so significant we understand first that we are created in his image. See, the Bible says that the devil, you know, Lucifer who fell, he wanted to be like God in Isaiah. That word be like means to resemble or carry the image of. So imagine the devil says, I want to be like you, God, without you. God says, that's never going to work. You know, go to earth as punishment. And then he begins to take the very fabric of the world the devil could do nothing with. The devil made nothing, created nothing, couldn't reproduce anything. And God begins to build our paradise, a.k.a. his prison. And then he takes the very fabric of the world that the devil could do nothing with but occupy it. Are you hearing me? And he begins to form that into mankind. And then he gives that dirt his image what the devil wanted. 
Which means if you want to understand who your identity is, why do you think, woman, there's such an attack on what you look like and the image you carry is because the devil's trying to disconnect you from a place of victory and a source of authority because your face alone is a reminder to the enemy of his greatest defeat. Which means, come on, somebody, that's good. Which means when you wake up on your bad day, your bad face day, your bad hair day, your defeated day, and you drag that lifeless body out of bed and you look in a mirror, you're looking at your greatest victory. You're looking at a weapon that the enemy cannot stand against because you're sometimes you just got to wake up and go devil do you do you remember who I look like but you wouldn't know that if you started off in the new testament you would also know that we're the only created thing that God breathed into existence this is just for free this is fun stuff he spoke everything into existence but us why is that so significant because when God speaks something into his existence his words create worlds which means his word creates the reality in which something lives, but the limit in which it can exist. So when he said tree, this is how powerful our God is. When he said tree, the word alone created the reality in which that tree would live, but it also confined it so that tree would never be mountain or tree would never be cloud or tree would never be horse. Why? He never called it horse. He called it tree. So it's so significant that when he actually said the word monkey, Monkey could never be man. Why? Because monkey wasn't breathed into existence. It was spoken into existence, which means God created the reality in which it would live, but confined his existence. But when he came to humanity, he didn't speak us into existence because he didn't want to limit us. He breathed us into existence. Which means right now, the breath you're experiencing in your lungs is actually the very breath of God. Which is why he said, guard your tongue, because the power of life and death is in your mouth. Why? Because he gave you the ability to create worlds with your words, just like he did. And then if you were to go back to just, I mean, this is just fun stuff for who you are. He said, I'm giving you all authority. I'm giving dominion over everything. Be fruitful. If you want to know God's plan for your life, be fruitful, be blessed, multiply, subdue the earth, bring in dominion. This is... The law of first mention laying out the context in which the identity of humanity lives and exists. So now Jesus is about to do his first miracle. And he's picking the context in which he's doing it at. He's doing a miracle at a party. Which brings us to our first point. You're wondering when I was going to get to a point. First point. Jesus likes to party. I think I even... I think I even got a slide for it. Like, my graphic guy wrote out, Jesus likes the party. I remember on the plane, the person next to me could not handle why it said Jesus likes the party on my notes. Over and over, I mean, it just, Jesus, I stared at it for a while. Jesus likes the party. You like saying Jedediah, really? That's what you're coming with, is the Jesus likes the party 2019 message? Some of you are like, I knew it. I knew he liked the party. From my previous experience, when I was laying out a testimony, I felt like Jesus was in some of it. If I was to break it down differently, what I would say is that if Jesus wasn't at the party, Jesus wasn't there. You might be saying, Jedediah, you got to do better than that. This is the rock of Gainesville. That's the, revel- this is the word that they were talking about. What I'm really trying to say is this. What we avoid, the enemy invades. What we avoid, the enemy, because if Jesus wasn't there, there would be no representation of Jesus there. 
And what I've learned is as a church, what we avoid, enemy invades. You avoid politics, the enemy invades it. You avoid our educational system, the enemy invades it. You avoid mass media, the enemy invades it. Anything we've said is the enemies we take off, he comes in and occupies and overcomes in that space. So often we've literally just given up our place and we've avoided it and now the enemy's invading it. And if we're to be very honest, some of us are avoiding those places because they're dark places, because there's loss there or hurt there or sin there. Some of you are picking where you go to the Super Bowl based on how much cussing will be at the end of the game. I can't go over to Aunt Sherry's, you know, her, a couple of drinks and that woman, and all of a sudden, F this, F that. I mean, I don't want the kids to hear it all. I can't go over to cousins. I can't go to that birthday party. Oh, no, they'd be drinking them drugs. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know what you're, <laughs> I don't know why I have a Southern accent either when I'm doing it. I apologize. It's very, very stereotypical. I have a red day, red day, red day. I don't know. That's just. It's dark there, they're lost there, there's sin there, there's drugs there, there's sex there, there's love. I don't know what it is, but you need to know something. Darkness does not overshadow light. Darkness does not defeat light. Darkness is just the absence of light, which means if it's dark there, friend, it's because you're not there. If it's dark in that high school, it's because our student's not there. If it's dark in that judicial system, it's because we don't have elected officials there. If it's dark in that political party, it's because we don't have Christian representation there. The goal was not that we would vacate the world, is that we would actually occupy the world. Which means we have to move from just coming to church to becoming the church. You need to hear me. If church is something you come to, this is the new era. This is what's going to change for the Rock of Gainesville. Because if church is something you come to, then it's just something you leave. I come to church. I, I leave church. I go to the game. I leave the game. I go shopping. I shop some more. I go drink hot. Like It's just one of the many things you do in life. But when church is something you become, then everything you do in life you do as the church. So you're not an educator who's teaching those kids five days a week, enduring those kids so that you can come and do the church on Sunday. It's actually the church doing the teaching. You're not a political official that's enduring the political process so that you can come be a Christian on Sunday. No, it's actually the church that occupies that place of office or influence. You're not a media professional, an entrepreneur, simply building an empire so you can write large tide checks and be generous. No, you need to understand that's part of the prosperity is the purpose, but it's also the fact that it's the church leading the business, which is why as believers, we should have best business practices. We should have a higher standard of excellence. We should win the battle for ideas and the innovative process of why because we are the church. Yeah. A fish sticker doesn't mean you get to get away with more. It means you get, a, get, a, you get to get away with nothing because you've set the highest standard. Jesus didn't die 2,000 years ago. I just don't imagine him on the cross pouring out everything he had, carrying the weight, the shame, and the pain of the world, looking at his father who's about to forsake him. And I don't believe the vision he had was two hours on a Sunday. I don't think he goes, I'm doing all of this so that I get two hours, but, but social media has got them for 24 hours a week, and, and sports has got them for 15 hours a week, but thank God I'm laying down everything, so I can just get two hours and probably 30 minutes of it, or they're really focused on Sunday, this is it, no, he died so that we could be the church on Monday, so that we could witness on Tuesday, so that we could proclaim his name on Wednesday, so that we could still worship, come on somebody, on Thursday, so that we can make a difference on Friday, because every day is his day. What we avoid, the enemy invades. Second point that I want to bring quickly. We could get the keys up to make this more anointed and to help me constrain my time liberties I've taken in second service. We all here till the Super Bowl, just so you know. Just <laughs> get ready. 
Hopefully someone started the smoker like we all here. <laughs> I'm just joking. Just a few more minutes. I love this conversation that Jesus has. I, I read it to you. I pointed it out. It's, it's this very interesting moment with his mother where Mary shows up. Hey, Jesus, they got no more wine. Jesus, the infamous response, woman, it ain't my time. Then she responds, do whatever he tells you. Have you ever wondered why Jesus does a miracle? Have you ever wondered why? Well, let's just be clear. Was it his time? Hey, smart church. You're doing well, Pastor George. Brilliant church. It wasn't his time. He said, it's not my time. And then he did the miracle. Have you ever wondered what's going on here? Anybody? Like a lot of us, all the women have just included, it was his mother, you had to do it. <laughs> Honor your parents. No, I think there's so much more going on in this passage of scripture. See, look at the two statements that Mary uses. There's two statements, they're contrasting statements, and they're in that verse I want to show you. She first shows up to Jesus and says this, Jesus, they have no more wine. What is she really saying? Look at our need. Jesus, we have need. Jesus, we need a miracle. Jesus, my child's sick. Jesus, my loved one's still not saved. Jesus, the debts, look at my need. And Jesus says, it's not my time for need. But then she shifts from need to faith. And she moves from look at my need to do whatever he says. In this new era, can I just tell you what you've stepped into? It's time for us to shift from presenting our needs to proclaiming our faith. Something so different than look at my, let's just be honest. I've been doing this for a while too. I know I look young. I've been doing this for a minute. So often we come to God hoping we petition and plead in such a way, merciful Lord, like we're trying to just hope he'll give us some crumbs, right? Just maybe shed some grace on us, maybe give us a little bit of mercy. But you understand, God knows your needs and he can meet all your needs, but he doesn't respond to need. Because if he responded to need, the greatest revivals on the planet would be in the slums of the most impoverished regions in the world. There would be a revival in the Amazon. There would be a revival in Mozambique. There would be like these places where it's like, no, he doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. And she says, look at my need. He says, it's not my time. But then she says, I don't care if it's time. My faith wants it now. Do whatever he tells you to do. Can I tell you something, Rock of Gainesville? It's time for us to shift from requesting to declaring. From, from pleading to proclaiming. Are you hearing me? It's time for the statement of faith to change from, God, if you're merciful to, I know you're good and you've given me all authority in heaven and earth, so I need my daughter to be healed. I need that breakthrough in my business. I need my city to be changed. Come on, is there a proclamation of faith? Was it his time? Was it his time? but somehow he did the miracle? Was it its time? No? Are you sure? But somehow he did the miracle? What does faith give us permission to do? Faith can allow us to pull into the now what God's reserved for later. Someone said, don't worry, it's going to get you tomorrow morning at 2.23 a.m. You're going to wake up and you're going to get it. Faith, I just want you to get this. It wasn't his time, but her faith wanted it now. 
we have the ability to pull right into the now, something God's reserved for a year from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. God is looking for a church that will pull into the now, something that Revelation would release later. Do you, do you hear me, the Rock of Gainesville? Do you have the ability to pull into the right now things for your family that are a decade off, right now for your business, things that are 20 years off, right now for your church and your city. Faith can say, God might say it's not time, but faith says I want it now, which is why Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you break that verse down, that word substance is the substructure. Faith is not something, faith is not a feeling, faith is a fact. Faith is something we actually build our life upon. We have hope for tomorrow because we have faith for today. We don't need faith for the future. We need faith for right now because faith always pulls into the now what God has reserved for later. Is there anyone got some now faith right now? Anyone say, I want it. Is there anything you want now? Now I'm not just talking about this name it and claim it. I'm talking about prayers that when they're answered, the world changes. If God answered your prayers, does your world change or does the world change? So I'm talking about now faith to say, no, God, we want every revival that you wanted for this city, we want this year. Every prophetic word that's come through this church for the last 32 years, Pastor George has said, we want this year. We are going to be standing in the fulfillment of unfulfilled prophetic words, of unanswered prayers, because our faith wants it right now. Is there any faith here this morning? Faith can pull into the now. I'm just telling you that building, I know you got this building project. I want it fully funded now. All the missionaries going, I want it fully funded now. What's going to take place in the school, I want it happening right now. What needs to happen in your homes, not just in this house, I want it right. Is there anyone that says, I want it right? Just do, do we got a right now? Why is this so significant? Because the level of your faith will determine the level of your breakthrough. You know, as I was preparing for this passage of scripture and Pastor George is right, I haven't preached this in this format anywhere. Uh, he asked, they're like adamantly asking for slides. And I go, I don't know. God's not letting me just pick a message. I've only preached here once. I have hundreds, like ones I really love. I know where they work. And for some reason, God would not let me rest until I wrote something brand new for you. Like it's, feel bad for me. I really love the other stuff. But God's like, no, you can figure it all out with me right now. And as he was doing it, I was brought to this passage of scripture in, in Matthew 8. It's the story of the Roman centurion. And we're going to end with verse 13, but such a significant passage of scripture. We're going to end here. And in this passage of scripture, you guys know the story. And if you don't, the Roman centurion encounters Jesus. He's, he's, not, uh, he's not a Hebrew. He's not an Israelite. He's a leader of a Roman government. He, he runs a Roman army and he approaches Jesus. He has this crazy revelation of who Jesus is, but he starts off by saying, hey, I have a servant who's sick and, and I, I would love for you to, to, to heal him. And Jesus says, hey, do you want me to come to the house? Do you want me? Isn't it crazy that when, when, when it's pretty clear what we need, God still asks us to clarify? I hope you get this. There's, there's, there's a blind man on the side of the road crying out, Help me, son of David, help me. And Jesus stops. What do you want? You know the blind man, if he was sarcastic like many of us, he'd be like, well, I figured you'd know. But the fact you can't tell means you might not be the guy. <laughs> I'm blind. He wanted them to clarify faith. 
So he says to the Roman centurion, do you want me to go to the house? And he tell me what you want. Use your words to determine the level of your miracle. And this Roman centurion has this revelation of Jesus. You don't want to miss it. He actually says, I'm going to paraphrase Jedediah translation. He says, I'm like you. And then he doesn't say a man who's over 100 soldiers. He says, I'm like you, a man who's under authority. Therefore, I'm over. He had that. I want you to get this. He had this revelation that the grace of God can only flow in divine order, which is divine authority. So he actually saw what no one else saw. Jesus, you have an authority here, not because you have authority, but because you're under authority. Therefore, you're over authority. Can I tell you something to every businessman, to every entrepreneur, to every influencer in the room, anyone doing anything significant? Your, your ability is not what you're over, but your ability to be over is based on your position to be under. This is why everyone needs a pastor. Everyone needs a church that they can call home for accountability. Great news is, is you don't have a dictator here. You don't have a manipulating leader. We've all experienced those. You have genuine fathers and mothers. But many of you don't understand the revelation that God can't do what he fully wants to do until you're under. Hear me. It's not about the person you're under. It's about the posture of being under. Because I've seen this work with not great leaders. But God's honoring the po. Well, I tied to a church that didn't do it. It didn't matter. You didn't give to the church. You gave to God. So when you're submitting to your leader, you're not submitting to your leader, you're submitting to God's authority in your life. Come on, that's good. And your ability to be over anything is basically predicated on your posture to be under. Which is why people ask me all the time, I love saying who my pastors and spiritual fathers are because I'm like, don't think I'm going to do anything good. I know we're going to go far because we have fathers with us. So he has this revelation, Jesus, I'm like you, I'm under, therefore I'm over. You're under, therefore you're over. Now Now he just starts making stuff up. He has no reference point for this, no reference point. You know what? Just say the word. If we're writing a blank check, why would I stop with the zeros? If we're going to, I feel like i got to move. Come over here. If we're going to faith anything, why limit it? Can I just be really honest with you, like where I'm at? If we're going to believe for something that's beyond us, why limit what we're believing for? If it's already in the realm of faith, let's just make it magical. Some of you couldn't even handle the word magic in a message. That was for you. Break the spirit of religion. Like if if we're going to write what, if he's going to write the impossible narrative, we might as well make it massive. So he sits there and he goes, you know what? You don't need to come to the house. This is new. Just say the word. And then here's what's so powerful. This is what we're going to end with. I want you to get this. Matthew 18, Matthew 8, verse 13. It's the most significant part. It says, and Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. How many of our lives, be honest, how many of the moment you're in, the season you're in, what you've experienced, how much of it is a self-fulfilling prophecy? of you living in just what you believed you would live in. I'm never gonna find the right husband just as you believed it to be. I'm never gonna find someone who really values me or loves me just as you believed it to be. Nothing ever works out for me just as you believed it to be. I'm never gonna get a break just as you believed it to be. No one's in my family's owned a home, I'll never own a home just as you believed it to be. It's going to take six years for them to come back. It's going to take six months for that to get built. It's going to take 60 for us to see what God, just as you believed it to be. 
We're never going to have the breakthrough just as you believe it to be. We're never going to have revival just as you believe it to be. They're never going to get saved just as you believe it to be. I've been in this church come Sunday in and Sunday out. Nothing's just as you believed it to be. There's something significant as believers that the level of your faith determines the level of your breakthrough. And what would it look like if we shifted our expectations? What would it look like if we got our hopes up? What if it looked like we did what we're known for doing? Not for hoping, not for wishing, not for thinking, not for seeding, but for believing. What are we known as? We're known as believers. So I don't know about you, the Rock of Gainesville, but what do you believe it will be? What are you believing for this year? What's the declaration of your faith? Because I'm believing the building's going to get funded sooner than we ever would expect it, just as I believed it to be. I believe this year will be more salvations than the last 10 years of your, I don't know if you're hearing me, just as you believed it to be. Is there anyone right now that would have a just as I believed it to be for their family, for their business, for their life, for their legacy? You've been given permission to get your hopes up. Well, Jedediah, you don't know. I've been sitting here for 20 years in this seat. I get your reference point. Why do you think God said start with the Israelites? So I could shatter your 20-year case or your 30-year case. They had a 13-decade generation, 400-year argument. And God said, but it's time. But it's time. But it's time. Rock of Gainesville, it's time. For your family, it's time. For God's divine design, are you hearing me? It's time. If I could get everyone just on their feet for a moment. Just, we're gonna do a few things as we get ready to close, but I feel, I feel it, it felt it in first service. God's giving this house, hear me, God's giving this house a new gift of faith. You've already done things as a church you should not do based on logic, based on reason, based on budgets, based on congregational size. You know that, right? You've already, who else funds a million Bibles? You've already done this. You guys have taken like a thousand mission trips. Could it all be practice for this moment? I'm just telling you. Could you have all been in training I said something, this is gonna be on cameras. Uh, I've never said it anywhere, so we might edit it later. If it's live streaming, oh well. Oh well, then we're in trouble. But I'm gonna say it anyways, because it's so far. I've never said this anywhere. I haven't even said this to my wife yet. I always get in trouble for moments like this. Is that okay if I tell you a secret I haven't told my wife? Oh, she's upset at you now. So I wanted you to be liable. They asked me, babe, I told them. That's the story, that's how it's gonna go. <laughs> I was sitting with Dom, we're, we're in the middle of Peru recognizing this divine moment where we can I just tell you there's never been a better time to be alive to be a Christian to be a part of the church I'm just telling you there's never been a better time Jedediah the world's darker and darker no that's just the absence of light but you read the news you have, oh I get it and we're going to keep getting brighter and brighter and brighter and things are going to get darker some places but brighter some places because he's coming back for a glorious church not a defeated church, not a hopeless church, not a, a church that needs to be rescued, a church that's winning, conquering. And I was talking to Dominic, and I, we we're just sharing about what God's doing in the season. It's so, I mean, just holding the microphone's never been most, most sobering to me. 
And he looked at me, and we're talking about what's next, stuff coming to the U.S., which your pastors don't know, no one else knows, I can't say yet, stuff going to Asia, Central and South American nations that are just going to randomly get looped in because doors are opening that have been closed forever. You can do the math. And I'm talking to Dom, and he goes, what if this was all practice? He goes, no, no, I'm talking with massive fruit and transformation and seeds. He goes, what if we're practicing the next 20 years for one moment where 150 Muslims come to Christ? For one moment where one unreached, godless nation. And that's been robbing me of sleep. And when I looked at this room and knowing the history, I go, they've been practicing for 32 years for now. You know what the word is for this house? It's Isaiah. I'm doing a new thing. Don't, don't you recognize it? If you actually read the verses, don't you recognize it? It's already begun. For some of you, you're already caught up in this, this little rhythm of grace. You don't even know. But I'm here just to tell you the case, crazy Californian, all red and sweaty. He's doing a new thing. And what that means is he's going to make a river in the desert. Read the verse. Do your biblical due diligence. Do you know what a river in the desert means? It means this is going to happen where it's not supposed to happen. Like Gainesville. You know what's happening in Orlando? Cool, but Gainesville. You know what's happening in Miami? Cool, but Gainesville. Why? Because it's going to happen where it's not supposed to happen. It also means there will be supernatural provision in places of extreme drought. I'm just telling you, some of you businesses, hear me. You're about to, but why? Because you just happen to be alive in this divine moment. You're going to slip into a golf stream of accelerated momentum because of the moment you're in. There's going to be a river in the desert. And then he says there's going to be away in the wilderness. A wilderness represents uncharted territory. It means it's a place you're supposed to plow. It's supposed to break through. It's a place that needs time. Are you hearing me? But he's doing a new thing, which means when you get to the point where you thought you were going to have to pioneer again, raise money again, break ground again, develop leaders again, when you got to this place of a wilderness, there would actually be a pathway laid out before you ever got there, which means you get a move unencumbered, without resistance, without doing the work to plow, all of your energy will be moved in acceleration. You want to know what the word is on the house? He's doing a new thing. He's making a way where there should be no way. He's doing it where it should not be done. And there's going to be a pathway that allows you to move without resistance. All of the energy, hear me, the rock of Gainesville, that you would be using to plow, you will be using to harvest. But it's not going to be just as I believed it to be. It's going to be just as you believed it to be. I want to give you permission to remove limitation. I want to give you permission, just even right now in this moment, just begin to proclaim, no longer requesting, declaring what you're believing it to be. Can we just begin to over our families, begin to over this church? Come on, begin to over our schools. Come on, use your own words, Rock of Gainesville. I know this is a praying church. Just begin to proclaim what you see. Begin to declare what you see. 
just right now. Come on, let's turn this into a prayer service just quickly. Let your faith arise. I just hear God saying, let your faith arise. It is okay to believe again. It is okay to get your hopes up again. This time is not like last time because this is God's time. Come on, just begin to open your hearts, open your mouths. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, come on. Begin to bold prayers. Go ahead. We're not elevating the music. We're letting you speak. Declare, what do you see? What are you believing for? Jesus, 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 Jesus. God, I thank you that every miracle is already in the house. God, I thank you that this is a year of financial breakthrough, of supernatural provision. God, I thank you for an accelerated growth on every business, on every home. God, I, I pray that the, the language is going to be, I don't even know why we're prospering, but for some reason we're prospering. For some reason we're growing. God, I thank you, Lord, that loved ones, this is the year of prodigals coming home, of loved ones that have left coming back to Christ, coming back to church. God, I thank you, Lord, that Gainesville will have a pocket. It will be a pocket of protection over its, over its government systems, the political process, the school boards. God, I just thank you, Lord, that there will be leaders of influence occupying space and taking territories. God, I thank you, Lord, people are going to say, but for some reason in Gainesville, it's different. God, I thank you that you're giving us a now faith. We know what the circumstance have said, but now faith. We know what the doctors have said, but now faith. We know what the bank statement says, but now faith. We know what our parents have said, but now faith. God, we know what the enemy is trying to tell us, but now faith. Jesus. Jesus. I just want to pray quickly. We're, we're going to do two things in close. I'm just being obedient, giving a little more uh, privilege. I just want to pray for... Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne, just quickly, if we can, if you guys could just come right here. I know I didn't do this or up or, yeah, whatever you guys want to do. <clears throat> and for those of you that are, you know, family of the house on staff team, if you want to just come, we didn't do this in first service. And if you're visiting, don't worry, it's going to be back to your regular scheduled program next week. Um, I know the pastor here. He's epic. You're going to want to hear him communicate. It's right here. And um, he'll go back to, to church as usual. But... It's just a marking moment. I just felt that that word as I said it, Pastor George and Susanna, and I wanted to make sure it was specifically assigned to you. It was what looked like you're going to plow, what looked like was you're going to use energy for, I'm just telling you, resource for, um, even your time, a delegation of time, which logically should be used to plow, you will be using to harvest. All of your energy will be energy geared towards harvest, will be geared towards salvation, will be geared towards sustaining transformation, the developing of leaders. God, I thank you, Lord, that they're moved into an era of harvest. God, harvest in this city. Lord, harvest in the families represented here. God, harvest in the nations they've been in. God, even in every nation they've already sown seed, there's going to be such a harvest. This will be a year of testimonies coming in. When you came three years ago, when you were here five years ago, this church started, this Bible was given to this child, and now he's a leader. God, I thank you, Lord. It is a year of testimony. It is a year of rewards. It is a year of harvest. And God, I thank you, Lord, that this is a, there's a greater glory coming on your house. Yeah. 
God, as it said in that scripture, it said, you saved the best wine for last. Best wine for last. And what so many people don't know is they think best wine is based on price or based on age. But anyone who's familiar, any connoisseur of wine would say the best wine is wine that's ready to be consumed immediately. So some, it could be 30 years, it could be three years, it could be three months. The best wine is termed, determined by the timing of the wine. So God, I thank you, Lord, that you've saved the best wine for last because they've stepped into the divine timing of what has been dreamed best for this house. God, and I continue to pray over legacy, over every child and grandchild. God, I thank you, Lord, that the ripple effect of eternal impact and significance of this legacy, even the adopted children, the ones that have come through school, God, we just thank you for fruit. God, all I see is fruit, 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 harvest, 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 new authority, new access, new relationship, new provision, and a greater glory. God, I thank you, Lord, that the, the, the new glory is always greater than the former glory. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, can we just worship him quickly, church? best wine's now wine. In case you missed that, the best wine is now wine. That's what God's releasing right, right, right now. If I could get everyone just a seat for a moment, there's so much we could do. I just want to encourage you, if you're believing for a miracle, in fact, I'm just going to be sensitive to this, I'm, and then we're going to close, I promise. If you keep adding minutes, I'm just joking. I really felt this earlier. One, if you need a miracle in your body, you could stay seated. Um, Today's a day of miracles. You could feel it. And then I also felt it could have been first service. I got this in my bathroom today. I really felt there's someone that's believing for a breakthrough, whether it's visas, passports, or a citizenship process. It was all connected to visa, passports, immigration. It was like that. And I felt, I mean, I'm as clear as day, God's saying, I didn't say it first service, so hopefully you came to this one because I could have messed up. Um, so one, if that was you, if you're needing the miracle, I'm just felt specifically, whether it's with visas, the immigration process, for, or passports, it's really all one to me. Who would that be? You've been leaving for a miracle right here, amazing right here. Thank God I didn't miss it. Anyone else, just quickly? So phenomenal, we're praying for you. I just felt God saying, it. whatever it is, it's happened. So we, it wasn't so we could pray for it, it's so we could let you know it's been done. Whatever it is, I thought it was a visa passport immigration family thing I just felt it strong in the bathroom and then if you need a miracle in your body a physical miracle you came in here with pain and issue could you just raise your hand quickly before we close just just right where you're at so many hands raised if you're next to someone and you know them and they like you if you could gently just put your hand on them we're just going to pray quickly just as you just so you, just so you know just as you believed it to be so just so you know I don't have to pray for you you don't have to have a special moment at the end of time just as we believed it right now God I thank you, Lord, that this house will be known as a house of healing, a house of wholeness, and a house of health. The people come in here, they're going to find wholeness, completeness in you. They're going to find healing, healing physically, healing mentally, healing emotionally. I feel some of you, it's anxiety, there's been torment, there's been sleeplessness, and then there's going to be health, health as a family. 
health in careers, health. That's what this house is going to be known for. So God, you see every need right now. I thank you. You've met it. When you died 2,000 years ago, you paid a price that we do not have to pay now because you paid all of it. There's not a single debt owed to cancer, owed to disease, owed to kidney failure, owed to heart disorder. Not a single thing is owed because you paid it all. So right now, God, I thank you. You're reconciling the accounts. Everything that's not in alignment with your word would come into alignment in our world. So sickness, be gone. Pain, be gone. Sleeplessness, be gone. Insomnia, be gone. Anorexia, be gone. Mental disorder, bipolar, gone in Jesus' name. All mobility, all peace, all function back. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, if you got prayed for and you could feel something going on, don't, it'd be foolish for you to fake it, but I do believe some of you, like, instantly pain left, instantly something shifted. Would you just show me who you are quickly? You just felt right there. Come on, amazing, right there in the back. Come on, these two hands over here. Come on, instantly, instantly. Are you ready to get your faith up? I don't want to leave. I want to stay forever. <laughs> you ready to get your faith up? A year of fruit, hear me, a year of fruit, a year of harvest, a year of testimonies. I'm going to get tired of answering Pastor George's phone call because he's going to go, I got another one to tell you. It's going to be another miracle. And they're all your miracles. Amen. As we close this morning, if we could get heads bowed and eyes closed, just want to have one last moment, really a moment between me, you, and God. And in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I'm going to ask everyone in this room to pray with me. And and really, if, if you've never done this before, if you've never partaken in this moment in a worship service like this, this is your moment. As Pastor George said when he took the stage this morning, he said, no one is here an accident. I truly believe that everyone here in the room is here because of God's divine design. Now, you might not have known what was going to be communicated or that someone was going to yell so much or... Maybe you've never been in a worship experience like this. Maybe you can't understand why there's so many different ages and races and faces from different places all in here happy and loving each other. This is this little thing called the body of Christ. This is what it looks like when we've all been, we've all come under one blood. And this is your moment. No matter how you got here, no matter what your week looked like, you might say, Jedediah, I've never been more confused than ever. Jedediah, I've never been more addicted. Jedediah, my marriage is done. My family's falling apart. I don't, I don't have a hope for tomorrow. I don't have an answer for today. Well, I just want to tell you, friend, when you walked into the building today, you walked into the answer to every one of your problems. So the reality is, is there is a hole in your heart that only your creator can fill. It actually was designed by God so that you would know you actually had need. And not just need for a drug or need for money or need for help, need for a savior. And the Bible tells us that 2,000 years ago, God put skin on, his name was Jesus. He walked a sinless and blameless life and he died a death that he should not have died so that you could live a life that you should not be able to live. As believers, we call this, which you're hearing, the great exchange. He somehow takes your pain for his promise. He takes your persecution for his plan. He takes your sin and your shame for your salvation. He takes the worst to give you his best. And the beautiful thing is to receive this thing, it's like receiving a gift. You can't earn it, you can't deserve it, you can't work for it. All you simply have to do is receive 
this gift, as you would receive a gift on Christmas. And if you're here today and you're saying today, I've never received this gift of grace, this gift of forgiveness, really this gift of unconditional love, but today I wanna make sure I've received this gift. Today I wanna make sure that my life is actually in right standing, that by myself I, I can do nothing and conquer anything. In fact, many of you know what your life looks like when you're completely in charge. And today's the day you actually say, God, I'm not in charge, you're in charge. If that's you, I want to help you receive this gift by saying this prayer. We're going to say it together. We're going to say it as a church family. Would you be so bold and courageous to say these words after me? Rock of Gainesville, would you say this with me? Would you say, dear Jesus? Come on, let's say this with boldness this morning. Dear Jesus, I need you. I've made mistakes. I've messed up. And I need you in my life. Would you come into my heart today? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you make me brand new? Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. From this moment forward, I am yours and you are mine. In sickness and in health, in good times and in bad, Till death brings us together. In Jesus' name. Hey, with heads bowed and eyes closed, just a few more moments. Just a moment between me you and God at the Rock of Gainesville. We have no desire to embarrass anyone here. So this is just between me, you, and God. No one's looking around. And if you're here today and you're saying, Jedediah, I, I needed to say that prayer. I meant it when I said that prayer. Thank you for helping me say that prayer. Friend, I'm not saying you're perfect. You're not saying you've got it all figured out. You're not saying you're never going to make a mistake again. You're saying that in light of what Christ did for you in view of eternity in this moment, you wanted to say that prayer, needed to say that prayer, and you meant it when it, you said that prayer. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to respond in a second. Or you're here today and you've said this prayer before. Hear me. You've said this prayer before. You're going to heaven. It's not a matter of you're going to heaven. The question is, is heaven coming to earth? And you're here today and you've said this prayer and you've meant it. But if you were to be honest between me, you, and God, you're not actively following Jesus. It has nothing to do with coming and going to church. It has nothing to do with, you know, listening to a worship track instead of rap music. This has to do with, is he your Lord, not just your Savior? Is he guiding you? Is he directing you? Another way to answer this question is to ask yourself, when's the last time have I moved towards something God's told me to move towards? If you haven't done that, you're not actively following him. And this is your moment to say, 2019, I'm going to be found in the house of God following Jesus as a son and as a disciple. If that's you, either in these two categories, you're saying it for your first time, 50th time, or today you're simply saying, I'm going to now move towards actively following him. No one looking around between me and God. If that's you, would you just quickly raise your hand? Let me know. I see that hand. 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 I see these hands here. See these hands in the back. See these hands on the side. Come on, so many hands. Who else? Don't miss this moment. You could even be a leader. You could be leading team here, but you're just saying, I'm not actively falling. I'm making sure he's my main thing. Anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Come on, I see that hand in the back. I see that hand on the side. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? Anyone else? Don't miss this moment. I see these hands. I see these hands. So beautiful. I see this hand. Un. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You can put your hands down, put your heads up. First of all, church, could we just put our hands together for every... Come on.
I'm gonna turn it over to Pastor George. Thank you for the liberty of the extra minutes. You guys got, you know, part two edition that first service didn't get. I would just tell you this, if you raised your hand, regardless of what you're responding for, whether it's actively following him or it's your first time, I just wanna say this. Every believer needs a church to call home. In fact, an isolated believer is a defeated believer. So what the enemy would love more than anything is for you to have this moment with him and then try to go live your life alone. Because if you're isolated, you're defeated. For some reason, victory is spelled in the Bible, community. There's actually victory in community. And everybody needs a great church to call home. And I'm biased. I've been to this church a few times. You found a phenomenal church. If you don't have a church to call home, you need a family. And there's a part of your identity and your destiny that will only be found in community. So I would encourage you, take the next steps. They're going to tell you what to do. Leave here and make sure someone knows the decision you've made and commit to doing life with community and watch God bring forth your destiny. Is anyone ready to get their faith up? Come on, can we give Jesus one last shout of praise today? Thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org.